Another ugly performance for the Atlanta Braves post-All-Star break. We'll discuss Tuesday night's game, Ozzie Albee's struggles, and those two-out RBIs that Charlie Morton keeps giving up. We'll discuss all that on today's episode of Locked On Braves, so let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you check out my written work over at bravestoday.com, where I'm putting out a different article every day about potential trade partners for the Atlanta Braves. So make sure you check that out. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. If you're new and watching on YouTube, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button of over six. 6,300 subscribers on YouTube. Hit that like button as well on this video to help spread it to everybody else out there. Keep commenting in the comment section. Been doing a tremendous job there as well. I really appreciate the continued conversation on these episodes. And that's what this is all about. This is what I try to make this show about. I try to make it interactive with you. I bring up these topics and then we continue the discussion down in the comment section. You do a great job of that. I want to give a shout out to some of my everydayers who let me know on the last episode, Mossy, Adam Dodd, Noah Sills, William the Worst, KJ Kaido, Ecuadorman, Henry Brewer, Calvert, Stink and Stinky Pete. And also a shout out to Colby Epps and Waylon Mercy who said they're on vacation and they're still taking time to listen to Lockdown Braves. Hopefully you're enjoying your vacation as well, but I appreciate you still tuning in. And thanks to everybody who makes Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper picks, and you could win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. On today's episode, we're going to talk about Tuesday night's ugly loss against the Boston Red Sox. Just a weird game. Got off to a really weird start, and then the Braves just played another you know, again, poor game post All-Star break like we've unfortunately been accustomed to seeing here lately. Charlie Morton's inconsistencies are creeping back out there. Offense going silent. Ozzy Albee's cold streak that he is on right now. Do the Braves need to shuffle the lineup again? We're going to talk about some two-out hits that it feels like the Braves always give up. But if you look at the stats, that's not been the case. And then we'll discuss some news as well. You got a mentor who made a rehab assignment or start or outing rather on Tuesday. A little bit of roster update, then we'll get ready for Wednesday's game where hopefully Spencer Strider is going to get the Braves back on track. Well, let's start with that Tuesday game. Again, an, an ugly one here. And that's really been the theme of the second half so far is, you know, bad defense, poor, you know, timely hitting, you know, walks galore from the pitching staff. And just really the thing that bothers me, if there are, if there are two weaknesses right now with this team, that really worry me going down the stretch and into the postseason. It's it's defense, which has been up and down this year. It's really good at certain positions. Even on Tuesday night, Orlando RC made a great play. The Braves turned a triple play, but there were still just some defensive lapses in this game where you know it really could have turned the game in a different direction. And it seems like that's been the case in the second half and really at the beginning of the season. I thought in the middle they were much better, but if there's one area that really concerns me at the Braves right now, it is the team 
defense. And then the other thing would be hitting with runners in scoring position, something they haven't been great at all year long. 26th in Major League Baseball hitters in scoring position, hitting with runners in scoring position with a 241 average. Now, I do say this all the time. The Braves are in scoring position with their lineup when they're standing at home plate, and that's true. And we know how much they depend on the home runs, which typically they get plenty of. I believe this was just the 13th game all year. The Braves didn't hit a home run, and they're now 2-11 and 11 in those games. So Braves hit a lot of home runs typically, but when they don't and you have nights like you did on Tuesday and you're, you can't, you go one for eight with runners in scoring position as they did, it's tough for this team to score runs. We know that, but – those would be my two concerns, and maybe I should have done a whole podcast seg- segment on this, but if there are two weaknesses right now that can scare me the most for the Braves, it's team defense and hitting with runners in scoring position. But getting back to Tuesday's game, at a 100-minute rain delay to start, which is and it was already a 7.10 p.m. Eastern start time, which I don't know, that seems a little late to me, but maybe not. Um, weird first inning. Braves had the bases loaded, already scored a run. Got a line drive to the second baseman. Was ruled a catch. Nobody really knew what was going on. It was like a 10-minute delay for the umpires to figure out what was going on. Ended up badly for the Braves. Looked like it may have been the wrong call. Looked like it that ball may have touched the ground. Braves should have had another run. Should have at least had runners on the corners with two outs and maybe an opportunity for more there and a 2-0 lead. It's a big play in the game, especially the way things went the rest of the way with the Braves not scoring much. It may not have mattered because the Braves didn't pitch particularly well, but – Uh, Just a weird first inning. Then you had pitch comm delays like crazy. They they have got to have a rule change for these pitch comm issues. If there's a pitch comm issue in the middle of the inning, you should be forced to, you know, you get a timeout to try to figure it out. If you can't, there's no going and getting another one. There's no going to the dugout to figure out what's going on. There's no bringing out, you know, several different pitch comms. I saw a game the other day where the pitch comm kept falling off Zach Gallon's glove. You don't keep to try to keep bringing out more Velcro to get it to stick on your glove. No. You continue the inning, you go to signs, and you figure it out between the innings. You cannot have these delays. It's just, it's terrible for, you know, when we're trying to speed up the game with a pitch clock and all that, and you continue to have these pitch comm issues, it seems like every single game, that's got to stop. That's just, it's terrible, in my opinion. We put down signs for hundreds of years. You should be able to go back and do that pretty easily if something happens with the pitch comm during the inning. There's got to be some sort of, Rule change on that, or they got to figure out these pitch comms, how they can work more effectively. Because, and the Braves had it on their end too. You had Charlie Morton, who, you know, all of a sudden stopped the game because he said he couldn't hear it. Is that becoming a tactic for pitchers now to say, you know, they need a break, say, oh, the pitch comms not, not working, and they get a, you know, a, a free timeout that way? I, in my mind, it's just got to stop. You got a pitch comm issue, you automatically go to signs, you figure out between the innings. There's my, my soapbox on that. But you had pitch comm delays. The Braves had a triple play this game, as I mentioned. Just a weird, game despite all that the Braves played bad and they just they did not you know play good baseball to win this game despite all the weirdness that happened despite you know perhaps having a run taken away from them in the first inning they just didn't play good baseball and a lot of that comes from Charlie Morton who looked like maybe there for a while he had a four-game stretch before the all-star break where he looked really good thought maybe he was finding his stride becoming more consistent now it's two starts in a row where he's not been good, and it's kind of going back to that inconsistencies that we've seen from Charlie Morton over the past two years now, where it's good start, bad start, a couple of good starts, a couple of bad starts. It's just it's not very consistent right now with him. And on Tuesday, it's really the walks that are the killer. And 
I really go to that first inning again. You had all the long, you had the rain delay, then you had that long top half of the first inning. You had that 10 minute discussion from the umpires trying to figure out what happens. And then he gets in that at bat with Rafael Devers, who fouls off 20 pitches and then finally gets a ball low and away. And he somehow pulls it through the right side. I know the shift is gone, and I think that's hurting Ozzy Albies at second base a lot. But I just feel like he needs to be getting to some of these baseballs. One, maybe not that one in particular, certainly one later in the game. I feel like he should have got to. But you had that long at bat. And then there's the decision to pitch around Adam Duvall. You had second and third, two outs, and you pitch around Adam Duvall to get to the lefty Tristan Casas, and then you walk him as well. That, to me, was just killer sequence. And I think they were clearly pitching around Adam Duvall. Again, you know my thoughts on Adam Duvall. There's been rumors about him coming back. I'm not the biggest Adam Duvall supporter in the world. I think he's been a bit overrated because he can get on some hot streaks. He's had some big moments with the Braves. I do not understand the decision there to pitch around Adam Duvall. You had a right-on-right situation, a lefty on deck. And, I mean, those who just weren't even close to Adam Duvall. That had to be an obvious pitch around. And then you set yourself up with the bases loaded where you walk another batter, you get in a free run, it's exactly what happened. And then that inning just kind of fell apart on him. So that was a weird decision. But five walks in the game for Charlie Morton. Again, he he, he struggles with he He wants to get chases. That's where – you know, Charlie Borden really excels getting those chases off the plate. But in a good team, a good offense like the Red Sox, they're not going to chase those pitches. You got to be able to get outs in the zone. You got to be able to get the weak contact. You got to be able to attack them or at least get ahead and then make them swing at your pitches. Just wasn't able to do that on this night. Five walks. That's absolutely killer. I mentioned the defense didn't help behind them. There's a play later in the game, and I don't think this—I don't think this was Charlie pitching at this point, but a play that I thought Ozzy could have made would have saved a run from scoring. Eddie Rosario letting another ball drop right in front of him. I'm at the point. And I said this last week. Just let Kevin Pillar start in left field. I know it's another righty, and you want to get lefties in there for the matchup, but the defense is just so bad right now in left field. Just let Kevin Pillar play out there. We've, we've talked about the discussion and idea of trading for Cody Bellinger. And while I worry about the regression from Cody Bellinger because of his advanced metrics, even with the regression, is he just as good offensively as Eddie Rosario? And we know he's better defensively. I, I'm starting to lean that way because I just cannot take these balls dropping in front of Eddie in left field anymore. It's just, it's really, really bad. So Charlie didn't pitch great. That's, you know, that's point number one. Point number two, this defense just continues to, I don't know. They're just, I don't, I don't want to say it's a lack of effort. I don't think that's it. Maybe a lack of focus, but just not able to get to some of these balls that I feel like they should be able to get to. This Red Sox offense is really good. I want to make sure, you know, that's clear as well. They're one of the best offenses in baseball. Some weak hits in there as well. They had seven hits that were under 90 miles per hour, average 90 mile exit velocities or lower. Four of them were 80 miles per hour or lower. So some unfortunate weak hits for the Red Sox in this game as well. But you can't have the weak hits and the walks and the bad defense. That's a bad, bad combination. And that's what the Braves had on Tuesday. And unfortunately, it's what they've had a lot of the second half of the season. And it doesn't help that your offense goes absolutely silent for eight innings. And I say silent. They had plenty of chances. Nine hits, three walks on the night, but just one run. With this offense, with this lineup, we talked about the runners in scoring position issue. We talked about the first inning debacle where they probably should have at least had one more run. But, I mean, they had opportunities in this game. You had back-to-back singles to start the second inning. Even after, you know, only getting the one run in the first inning and then the Red Sox coming back and scoring two in the bottom half, you had 
two singles to start the top of the second, and you can't score. Ozzy left two on with two outs in that inning. You had a leadoff single in the fourth. Then you had a double play. Unfortunate, you know, Eddie Rosario hit the ball pretty hard up the middle, but right to the second baseman who had a double play. And then you had a walk after that. So it's like there could have been a potential big inning there. And that's another thing. And again, this is somewhat of an excuse. I feel like in these games post All-Star break, almost nothing is going the Braves way and everything is going the the other the team the other way for the team for the team they're facing. Again, that's just, you know, that's going to happen. You got to play through that and that adversity, but it just seems like that every ball is just fair for the other team and every ball is just foul for the Braves. It seems like that's happened a lot here in the last week or two. You had a two-out single and a walk in the seventh. Again, Ozzy leaves two on with two outs. And then the ninth inning, Ozzy left two on with two outs. And that leads to kind of my last point here from this game. Ozzy struggle, struggles here lately. Had the big home run in Milwaukee uh, to help them win that game. And that was great, but that's his only hit in the past six games. He's walked three times and scored five runs during that span, which is great. He's hitting just 227 in the month of July, but he has a 342 on base percentage and a 515 slugging percentage but really you look over the past two weeks now uh, really not that not even that long but you look you know really pretty much since the all-star break Ozzy's starting to cool off a little bit he is somebody who is a very streaky hitter I've said it on here many times you gotta be cautious of when he's gonna go into that hard cold streak because when he's really hot he can be really hot we've seen that but when he's really cold it's really cold like we've kind of seen here over the past week or so. So I think you have to be cautious of that and know whether it's time to move him out of that two hole. Again, as we've talked about a lot on here, I don't know who the ideal fit is for that two hole. Don't really want to mess with Matt Olson as he's been so good in that four spot in the lineup, but I don't really know who else to put in that two hole at this point, but got to be a little weary here with Ozzy and his struggles that he's had. And some of his at-bats have just been so bad here lately but more so, the Braves' performance after the second half is just, it's not great. Again, I don't know if it's a lack of focus because they're not really being pushed in the NL East. Still have a double-digit lead in the division. Whatever it may be, hopefully they're getting it out of their system now. It feels like the month of May. If you go back to May, they had a, a long stretch against some really good teams, which they're kind of in now, You know, facing the Diamondbacks, Brewers, now the Red Sox, all good teams. And it just felt like every day was a grind, was a battle. And it just felt like they weren't playing their best baseball consistently that's what it feels like now. And they came out of that and they went on a month and a half stretch where they played some of their best baseball, especially offensively. So hopefully the Braves are getting this out of their system now and down the stretch of August, September, they're back to playing their best baseball going into the postseason. We know what this team can do and what it looks like when they're playing their best. And we know what it can look like when they're fully healthy on the pitching side, which hopefully is going to happen here in the next couple of weeks with getting freed and mentor back, especially, and maybe another, pick up at the deadline so we know what this team is capable of just not playing that way right now and it's a bit frustrating from a fan's perspective another thing that's frustrating two out hits and Red Sox had six of those on Tuesday night and it feels like the Braves have given up a ton but when I did some digging saw that actually wasn't the case we'll discuss that next Are you using the Sleeper app for daily fantasy baseball? If you're not, then you certainly should be. Sleeper is a fantasy sports plus real money gaming app focused on bringing people together through sports and gaming. Sleeper has become the fastest organically growing fantasy platform in the world. And if you want 100 times your money on daily fantasy baseball, Sleeper is now offering up to a 100 time payout for up to an eight pick contest. Choose as many as eight players that you like. 
Pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right, and you could win big. Use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Braves will try to bounce back against the Red Sox on Wednesday night at 7.10 p.m. Eastern after a frustrating loss on Tuesday. Hopefully no more rain delays there either. Hopefully that umpiring such crew gets their act together. They were pretty terrible. But catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. Thursday's podcast, we'll do our Through the League segment, look at some more trade news and rumors that's going on around the league, and then Friday we'll have our mailbag podcast leading into the weekend series where the Braves will be facing the Brewers once again. Getting to our stat of the day of Wednesday, our stat for this Wednesday is 149 two-out runs. That's how many runs the Braves pitching staff has given up this year with two outs. I mentioned on Tuesday night, six of the seven Red Sox runs were with two outs, and it seems like that's happened a lot lately, or do we just notice it more when that happens? That's actually the fifth fewest runs allowed in all of baseball with two outs this year. So that would tell you the Braves are actually really good at not giving up runs with two outs. They've given up 233 hits with two outs, which is the second fewest in all of baseball. 27 home runs is the fewest allowed in Major League Baseball. 107 walks is the ninth fewest. Those are the ones that really kill you as well. You get those two-out walks. That's what happened with Charlie Morton uh, in that fourth inning. I believe it was Tuesday night. Had two outs, walked a batter. Things kind of unraveled from there. That's the one that just kind of really kills you. 320 strikeouts is the fifth most with two outs. you love that. You get the two outs. You go ahead and finish off the inning with a strikeout. The Braves actually do a really good job at that, so you love to see that from this Braves pitching staff. Their 1.24 whip with two outs is the seventh best in all of baseball and their 222 average is the fifth best so really when you look at the numbers even though it may not feel like it the Braves are really good with runners with or with two outs and um you know again you wouldn't think that especially after what you've seen uh here lately uh you look at it individually um, and you look at Jesse Chavez, a 0.44 whip with two outs, Strider 0.81. They've been some of the best. Charlie Morton has been one of the worst, and maybe that's why I noticed it more from last night. And it does seem like it ha- does seem like it happens a lot more when Charlie Morton's on the mound. He has a 1.64 whip with two outs this year. Not particularly good. Rysel Iglesias, Kirby Yates both have a whip over 1.5 as well with two outs. Small sample size, but Ben Heller's been pretty good. He's faced 22 batters with two outs and has yet to give up a run. Colin McHugh's actually been really good as well with two outs this year. Just two earned runs and 59 total batters faced with a 1-2-1 whip and 13 strikeouts. A.J. Minter has given up 16 earned runs with two outs this year, despite just a 1.28 whip and a K per nine of 12.83. A lot of that probably coming earlier in the year when he was going through uh, the struggles that he had. Uh, Joe Jimenez has been really good. We got to talk more about how good he's actually been lately. Had a good performance on Tuesday night. He has a 1.03 whip and and 13.5 K per nine with two outs. So he's actually been fantastic. Where I think maybe we're seeing some of the frustration with the Braves is with two strikes. And you look at OPS with two strikes this year. Braves um, have been really good on the 
hitting side of things, but on the pitching side of things, it just feels again, like they haven't been as good as you would expect them to be. Um, and, and maybe that's part of it is that they just, you know, we get to two outs, get to two strike situations. Um, the Braves have given up a one, a one fifty eight batting average with two strikes this year, which is fifth best in baseball. So that's not it either. I think it's more so just from a fan's perspective. It feels like the Braves have given up a lot with two outs and two strikes, but it's probably just because we remember that a lot more. So the Braves have actually been really good in that department, which bodes well when it comes to the postseason, being able to end innings abruptly, get out of innings in those situations with two strikes this year, the Braves have 900. Uh, well, they have 919 strikeouts in general, but they have a whip of 0.83 with two strikes this year and two strike counts. And that is second best in all of baseball behind the Tampa Bay Rays. So despite what you or I may think the Braves have actually pitching has actually been really good this year in two out two strike six situations. I think it's more so just a product of Charlie Morton and something that he really struggles with putting hitters away and something I've noticed a lot of as well. And I think this was an article I read on battery power talking about Charlie Morton and his struggles. It's really against left-handed hitters. I don't know what his out pitch is against left-handed hitters. He tries to get that curveball in under the hands of lefties. You saw him continually try to do it in that bat in the first inning against Rafael Devers and Devers kept fouling him off. And then he tried to backdoor one uh, and you know, he left it up enough that Devers got a hit on it. He tried to backdoor Tristan Casas with a 3-2 pitch with that curveball as well and just missed outside for the walk. He just doesn't really have an out pitch against lefties. And I think that's been a big issue for Charlie Morton here over the past year or two. But overall, the Braves pitching staff has been probably better than you realize with two outs and two strikes when you actually look at the numbers. So that's a good thing. Hopefully that's a really good thing once it gets closer to postseason time and into the postseason. Hopefully it's a great thing for Spencer Strider on, on Wednesday night. We've seen recently with him too. He'll get to two strikes and then he's been giving up some hits as well with two strikes. So hopefully that's something that he figures out on Wednesday against, again, a really good Red Sox lineup. We'll discuss more about that here next. So the Braves did end up adding Taylor Hearn to the active roster along with Yanni Chirinos and Pierce Johnson. Wasn't sure if they would option Hearn, but it makes sense for them to keep a lefty on the active roster probably until A.J. Minter comes back. Then I would imagine that they, at that point, will send Hearn down to AAA since he has an option left and you can move him down without losing him. And then hopefully Dylan Lee threw a bullpen on Tuesday, so hopefully he'll have a rehab assignment here pretty soon. Probably won't take too many rehab outings for him to come back, although he has been out a little bit longer than A.J. Minter. So I think Hearn's only on the roster till probably the weekend when I think we see A.J. Minter return. But all three of those guys added to the active roster ahead of Tuesday's game. Didn't get a chance to see any of them in Tuesday's game. Speaking of Wednesday's game, game two of this two-game set, Spencer Strider versus Brian Bellow. Bellow Young, 24-year-old for the Red Sox. Been really good this year, but his last start, he gave up six earned runs in four innings against Oakland. That snapped a string of seven straight starts where he went at least six innings. So he was on a really good run until that last one, and then he ran into those pesky, pesky Oakland athletics. Braves know all about that. He's given up six home runs and three July starts after not giving up a single home run in five June starts. So I don't know if he's a young kid, maybe he's starting to tire a little bit and that sinker's not sinking as much for him, leaving it up a little bit. 
Hopefully that's the case here for the Braves after they didn't hit a home run on Tuesday. You know they're itching to get back out there and do some damage on a Wednesday. But Bello has a mid-90s sinker that gets a lot of ground balls, over a 50% ground ball rate, and he has a swing and miss changeup. So hopefully, again, he leaves that sinker up a little bit. Braves just saw a really good sinker ball pitcher in Adrian Hauser. That did not go particularly well, uh, but hopefully that sets them up and prepares them for this start against Brian Bello. As for Strider, avoid that big inning. We've talked about it with him a lot. There are these starts this year where he is just absolutely dominating, racking up the strikeouts, and then it's you know walk, home run, whatever it may be, a, a bloop, a bad defensive play, and then next thing you know, he's, he's given up a crooked number. That's just happened way too much for Spencer Strider this year. It is a really good Red Sox offense. You're going to have to be in the zone, be effective, get ahead. I want to see him work ahead with that slider a little bit more if hitters are cheating for that fastball, as I think a lot of hitters have done to him this year. Go to that slider in early in at-bats a little bit more, get him thinking about that, and then bust him in with that fastball. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he needs to do to succeed. So I'm really looking forward to him getting back out there on a Wednesday, hopefully getting the Braves a win and hopefully getting them on a Good run here after a couple of weeks here of bad baseball post-All-Star break. All right, that will do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. The Braves, again, will play the Red Sox on Tuesday night at, or Wednesday night at 7.10 p.m. Eastern. It'll be Ryan Bello versus Spencer Strider. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOn underscore Braves. Make sure you follow me at ShortstopBall. Also, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. D.C. Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 